0: IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: Professor Waldo Krugel, of the, the, he's a professor of economics at Northwest University, degrees from that school and, university, and Warwick University in Britain, and a PhD from uh, Northwest University stroke Potschestrom. And although I have not met you, uh, you come with solid recommendations from people I do know. And so I'm glad to have a chance to speak with you. Uh, My neighbor Ray Parsons said that you should be the person to talk to us. Uh,
0: Thank you, Bruce.
1: And let's toss this question in your direction as well. And rather than just focusing directly on Davos, uh, let's broaden this out a little bit. The global economic circle, and I, I see from your resume, you have a lot of interest in um, some of the intersection between politics and economics or geography and economics and, and the way that, that plays out. So the current circumstances of the global economy, the looming scarcities in a number of commodities, uh, the possibilities of serious shortages in some, base, some serious basic and necessary commodities, and how is this going to affect this country? Because listeners obviously want to know what's in it for them and what does it mean?
0: Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. It's an interesting topic. Uh, Economists have always, uh, well, not all of them, but many of us uh, are excited about the idea of where the economy is. Uh, These big macro models that I also teach my students are often very agnostic about uh, where economic activity occurs. It's somewhere on some uh, theoretical plane. But in practice, though, no, it's it's very much concentrated in specific places. And, and the moment that you have these geopolitical uncertainties, uh, it, it has an impact. I mentioned uh, the, the, the constraints in, in global supply chains as, as one of those issues. Uh, and the moment there, there's a war, uh, wherever you sourced your inputs from uh, could now be inaccessible. Uh, so the impact on South Africa it works mainly through the price channel. Uh, we are not facing sort of a lot of quantity scarcities, I want to put it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, we will be, uh, the impact will be through increased international prices uh, of uh, soft commodities, uh, particularly food commodities. And and we already seeing that. So so we produce enough maize, for example, uh, but the maize price is going to be high and that feeds into a lot of other foodstuffs, and eventually into consumer price inflation.
1: And the, the, the impact of that uh, is, uh, shall we say, differentially on those people who can least afford a shift in 10 or 15 percent in the costs of things. And this country, as we all know, has a lot of people for whom the change in that price point uh, is disaster by the, by the middle of the month.
0: Absolutely, and, and, and they are less able to hedge themselves to prevent the, the effects of, of their declining buying power really having an impact on, on their quality of life. The, the more resources you have, at least you have some kind of investment strategy or some of your assets are also growing in value. But poor in our community, they just face these, these increasing fuel prices, transport costs, and food prices. Uh, and, and that's really where things... Uh, get tricky uh, if you're a policymaker and, and you're hoping to, to find a solution to this.
1: And given all of that, and I I, I don't want to put you in the position of of uh, the story Harry Truman, president of the U.S., said after listening to various economic advisors going on the one hand and on the <laughs> other, he finally turned to his, his top aide and said, for God's sake, send me a one-handed economist already. Uh, it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's apparently a true story, but uh, put yourself in the position of having to say to, to uh, the senior officials in the country, what do you do given the rise in costs, the pricing uh, of the basic commodities uh, that are affected by global uncertainty? What, do you, what, what should they do in an ideal world?
0: History has shown that it's difficult to use price controls. Uh, From time to time, you see someone on the internet mentioning, why don't we fix these prices? Uh, But previous experience has shown that it almost immediately leads to a a shortage followed by a black market uh, and two different prices for exactly the same thing. So uh, these days, uh, you would find few economists advocating for direct price controls. Uh, which basically then leaves you with the, the notion of providing some kind of relief to the most vulnerable. And there are some good suggestions out there. Uh, for example, it's increasing the child support grant just to bring that up to the food poverty line. And, and the next step is to say, okay, how are we going to afford this? Uh, right. But that's always <laughs>
1: the a great idea. Now what happens?
0: exactly uh, and and in the case of of this relief of the fuel baby uh, that we've had for the past two months uh, the, at least the, min- the minister of minerals and energy said uh, that the sale of the strategic fuel reserves that just gave them enough money to to be able to provide that relief so they they don't they can't afford to give more relief uh, you have to to make a trade off and and decide not to do something else or spend some of that tax windfall money uh, that that we collected uh, during last year where I think that that's that's where our debate is getting stuck. Uh, lots of people are shouting about possible solutions, but they, they're not particularly clear about what are you sacrificing to get that solution. So uh, in, in my mind, at least, uh, something very targeted uh, that we spend some of that tax windfall money on uh, could be a sensible way to do it. Uh, you have to do it in a way that clearly signals to the markets to rating agencies uh, that this is not uh, just sort of throwing money into the wind. It's uh, we are still committed to fiscal discipline, but we're using a, a better that money uh, to to bridge a great or to meet a great need and, and just sort of bridge a volatile situation.
1: Humane fiscal discipline.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm going to remember that one. Thank you.
1: There's a slogan for you for your policy proposals. Uh, this is Deep Dive. I'm Brooke Spector, and we're speaking with Waldo Krugel, who is professor of economics at Northwest Univers- University.
0: This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector.
1: And we are back in the studio. Well, actually, we're back in my kitchen at my kitchen table, <laughs> and <laughs> because the wonders of technology mean we can get confused in three different locations at the same time, and we are speaking with Professor Waldo Krugel from Northwest University. He's professor of economics there, and we're talking about the policy choices that a government can or has to make given the circumstances in the global economic and political system that we operate in now because of the uncertainties and the dislocations that come from not just the the war in Ukraine, but also uh, COVID. you You almost tend to forget about that because of the other thing. But between the two of them, there's this dreadful interaction that's affecting supply chains as well as the actual supply of commodities. What does the government, you were talking earlier about what the government would do in the best circumstances, doubling the uh, grant for the truly poverty stricken so that it's le- it's at least up to the, the food, po- the poverty food line, as, as I understand it, it's called. That's right. But what does that, does that solve anything or does that simply just kick the can down the road
0: a bit? Uh, it, it it kicks the can down the road a bit <laughs> uh, no doubt uh it, it postpones the, the the problem in in the hope uh that that the russians see a uh, sense or uh, come reasonable in <laughs> the war go back home that sort of thing and the oil price Absolutely. comes down again <laughs> so um so it, it 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 just bridges this this gap until we hope things normalize again, but it doesn't solve any of our, our more significant underlying problems.
1: And the, as I understand it, the, the biggest direct impact from the, the war in Ukraine now globally, obviously uh, putting aside the direct impact on the people in Ukraine, of course, uh, or even consumers in Russia who suddenly discovered the rubles won't buy anything and whatever it was they were going to buy isn't available anyway. The biggest impact is on agricultural commodities, maize, wheat, and fertilizer, because collectively Russia, Belarus, Ukraine are the, the globe's largest exporters of those three commodities, if my numbers are right.
0: That's correct. Yes, and sunflowers as well.
1: Oh, sorry, sunflower oil. You know, edible oils. Yes. And so here in South Africa, there is not yet a shortage, but there is obviously pressure on prices. The longer the war continues, the higher the price uh, push will be, and eventually there'll be some sort of, of actual shortages that will affect them affect us here.
0: I think uh, in terms of food security, we do produce a, a lot of everything. Uh, the, the palm oil situation is, is something separate, uh, but we, uh, at least for for uh, the grains uh, and even the edible oils, we're we're not badly off. I don't. We do import a lot of sunflower oil, uh, so so real shortages are are, are not likely. Uh, but very high prices uh, seem to be on, on on the charts, which I should say even higher prices than, than we've already been seeing, and those increases have been significant. Uh, and you, you are
1: an you are an encouraging person. Higher prices, <laughs> yeah, um, yes. You
0: mentioned,
1: <laughs> you mentioned palm oil, and that's an interesting question. And I think people tend not to remember that palm oil is in almost everything. Uh, it's in soaps and household. Uh, products. It's in various kinds of food chains, uh, and most of it is exported out of Indonesia, uh, which is the world's largest producer of the stuff. And they've put a that they put a clamp on export.
0: That's right. They, they, they want to limit exports. And, and immediately that constrains the global supply. So uh, the, it's, it's worrying. And, and it seems that those prices are also going to keep on increasing, at least until that market normalizes a bit. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to be or what their views are on this uh, going forward in the next six months or a year.
1: So your recommendations to people are eat less maize, wash less often, use less soap. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I think what 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 makes this situation worse is is that now things that should, that wasn't a worry in say the previous season now it does become a worry. Uh, you, if you have a look at economics Twitter, there's a lot of uh, traffic just talking about the rate at which U.S. farmers are planting maize this season, and some of the states are dropping behind. The differences are small compared to to well, to say the previous season or the seasons before, but because supply is constrained elsewhere, those now become important. Or whether if it even just looks like a drought in Brazil, again that becomes important. Where globally that, that wouldn't have mattered uh, in a normal situation.
1: Yeah, no, I understand the weather conditions in the Midwest and the uh, the Corn Belt in the U.S. have been particularly tricky which speeds into precisely what you're talking about. If there's a 5% drop in in planting and production, under normal circumstances, Australia or Argentina or or somebody else or South Africa would have picked up the slack. Uh, But uh, given the other constraints out of the war in Ukraine, suddenly that 5% or whatever it might be becomes enormously more important than it used to be. We're not talking about. Well, this is not the Farmers' Hour. We're talking about. the <laughs> way. I mean, It might sound like that, but we're talking about the way the global supply chain of all manner of products, uh, partly as a function of the war in Ukraine, and partly as a function of of uh, the residue of, of activities out of COVID restri- uh, supply chain breaks, is directly affecting how you and I must live our lives. And absolutely, go back. sorry. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go
0: ahead, sir. I wanted to say that, that this is one of the questions now being raised about globalization. Both COVID and the war has now made us realize that uh, exactly how interconnected uh, the, the world economy is. Uh, it's, it's been like this for a while now, but, but we, we only sort of came to think about it a bit more uh, when it was disrupted. Uh, so you do find people saying uh, we should be sort of looking more at self-sufficiency uh, security of supply, those those sorts of views, uh, and that maybe uh, globalization will now be rolled back uh, by these uncertainties and by new technologies. Uh, mm. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not convinced of either of those arguments yet, uh, but those are some of the, the, the points that you do read about in the media at the moment.
1: 20 years ago we used to be preaching that globalization was going to solve all of our problems and if you, if you looked at the impact that it had on newly emerging strong economies like China, it did after all take half a billion people out of poverty and into uh, a lower middle or middle class lifestyle uh, and similar effects in Southeast Asia and to some degree in South Asia and even in parts of Africa. And now suddenly economists are telling us that autarky is the right answer.
0: Oh, I, I disagree with him. Uh, I, I think there are changes coming and they are technology driven. Uh, if, if you think about new ways of producing stuff, 3D printing, you could localize more production in, in, in that sense. But, but the gains from specialization and the gains from trade are, are so significant. Uh, even with these disruptions, it, it's, it just makes more sense uh, to, to import a lot of stuff and to export uh, the things that we are good at. Than to try and and produce more locally at normally it would be at a much higher cost. Uh, uh, I'm all in favor of that. Uh, Sorry.
1: David Ricardo's not quite dead.
0: (laughs) No, no, he's he's alive and kicking. Uh, And and his more modern day uh, proponents of these views, Uh, they make really strong arguments about the the way that globalization has moved beyond goods. And it's also in services these days. Uh, it, even that has become internationally specialized. Sure.
1: No, I understand. We're speaking with Professor Waldo Krugel of Northwest University, Professor of Economics. And w- earlier in the morning, we, we started with Tim Cohn. We talked directly about uh, the World Economic Forum. But in this last part, we broadened this out to pretty much the future of the global economy. and how it's being affected by the COVID pandemic, the residue of the COVID pandemic on supply chains, but also the war in Ukraine. And now winding up the question of where do we go f- forward? And um, I am informed by, by Waldo that we should pay much more attention to 3D printing and that world trade, global trade still matters. And we're still gonna be in that universe, in that universe of things. And I want to thank you for joining us, and I appreciate it, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Professor Waldo Krugel, thanks very much for joining us. I look forward to linking up with you again. um, You've you've given me some hope that we're going to be out of the economic mess that we're in, and I thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I'll be glad to speak about all of this again anytime. Thank you.
1: Much appreciated. Thanks. Thanks much. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another deep dive on a topic of contemporary interest and importance. Not the not the usual two-minute interview, hi, how, how, what do you think about this, that, and the other thing, goodbye, but a chance to, to really dig a little deeper into the issues and learn something in the process. And I'm Courtesy of our last guest, I'm now heartened by the fact that 3D printing may well save us in the end. (laughs) Tune in again next week for The Deep Dive.